This past week we concluded a study on verses 14 through 26 of James 2, and we want to look at that passage one more time here today. Um, I've been amazed in my study of the book of James in realizing that it's the first book that was written of the New Testament, written to first-generation Christians scattered because of persecution, that James is writing to them about these things. It, I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking, man, they're brand, brand new Christians. They are listening to people that walked and talked with Jesus, and they maybe themselves did. And, and yet he's dealing with them about the realities that some of you say you have faith, but James is saying, I don't know, you better check to make sure it's real faith. And uh, I'm, I guess I'm amazed. I, sometimes we look at, at rose-colored, through rose-colored glasses at the early church and think they had it all together. But you understand human nature is always the same. And the battle is always the same. They didn't have it better than we do. Um, we don't have it better than they did. The reality is it's spiritual warfare that Satan seeks to lead people astray. And in this passage in particular, James is dealing with the, the fact, if you have a genuine faith, this is what will be in your life. And throughout the book, he's saying this. If you have a genuine faith, it'll be manifested. How you respond to trials, how you respond to temptations, how you respond to the Word of God, how you respond in treating others, and so on. But in this, he's specifically dealing with the aspect, if there is genuine faith, it will be manifested through works in your life. Notice verse 14. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? Realistically, in the, in the original language, it, can that faith save him? A faith that does not have works. And he goes on and illustrates, If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say to them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works, Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believes there is one God? You do well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? 
Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. He was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So James is illustrating a genuine, dynamic, living faith will be manifested by the works that are in its life. But this passage, it is very, very important that we understand some basic principles from this passage about genuine faith. Genuine faith, number one, is in Jesus Christ alone. Ephesians chapter 2, very familiar verses, but foundational to the very heart of Christianity. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. For by grace are we saved through faith. It's not of anything that we do. Nothing apart from Christ can save us. Anything apart from Christ is dead faith. If it's faith in a church, if it's faith in a creed, we sang today, my faith has found a resting place not in device or creed. I trust the ever-living Word of God. We, I'm not saying it's wrong or right, we have not been ones that recite a creed. I believe and to list everything that you believe. That creed, even if it is 100% biblical, by saying, just saying that does not, save a soul. It's not believing the right things that saves us. It's putting our faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. The difference between Christianity and every other religion, in Christianity, Jesus Christ died on the cross and he said, it is finished. The payment for sin was complete. It's done. Every other religion is do, do, do. Have you ever wondered how some religions can get there, for example, young people to give up two years of their life and go be missionaries around the world? right when they're in some of their prime ages of life? How do they get them to do that? 
Because their salvation depends on it. They have to do, do, do. We'll come back and touch on some of the relationships of this later, but Christianity is Jesus Christ alone. My hope is built in nothing less than Jesus' blood and His righteousness. We are not saved by faith plus anything. It is faith in Jesus Christ alone. Faith plus anything. Baptism, it's not faith and baptism that saves us. It's not faith and church that saves us. It's not faith in addition to good works that saves us. It is faith alone in Jesus Christ. And James is emphasizing in this that if there is genuine faith, it first of all begins in Jesus Christ alone. The moment we receive Christ as our personal Savior, he tells us that the Spirit of God indwells every believer. Romans said, if any man has not the Spirit of God, he does not belong to him. The Spirit of God is the earnest. When I call upon Jesus Christ, when any person calls upon Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of sin, the Spirit of God dwells within them. Just because someone prays a prayer doesn't mean that they've put their faith and trust in Christ. People pray a prayer to get their parents off their back. People pray a prayer because someone's strong-arming them. You need to do this. You need to do this. But when we genuinely understand my sin is against God... And my sin has already condemned me to an eternity separated from God. And I know the only thing that can forgive my sins is the work of Jesus Christ, His death, His resurrection. The blood of Jesus Christ alone can forgive my sins. And I cry out to God, God, I am dependent on you alone for the forgiveness of my sins. God knows our heart, and when we cry out to him, he said, Him that cometh to him, he will in no wise cast out. And when we trust Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, the Spirit of God dwells within us. Now, this is where James gets into the workings of a genuine faith. Number one is number one in this list. It is in Jesus Christ alone. Number two, genuine faith is seen in obedience. It's not completed in obedience. It is seen in obedience. So here I am. I call upon the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive my sins And to save my soul, the Spirit of God dwells within me, and the Spirit of God 
starts directing things in my life. And if I love God, John 14, John 15 and verse 14, and John 14 and verse 15. As I was looking at this, I thought God was looking out for, for us to get numbers confused, you know. It's in John 14, 15 and in John 15, 14, okay. So either way, just get those. But he says, if you love God, you will keep his commandments. You don't keep his commandments in order to love God because you love God. You have placed your faith and trust in God. You will keep his commandments. And the spirit of God is given to guide us into truth. So the spirit of God comes into our life. And the moment we receive Christ, he begins pinpointing things in our life. He said, this is something that you ought to be doing. That we never really even thought about doing. Had no desire to do that before. For example, read the Bible. The Spirit of God will prompt us to do that. And if there's genuine faith, we will have a desire to obey the Spirit of God. And so the Spirit of God comes into our life, and He's excited, and He, He wants to help us to, to be fruitful, to know the love of God, and the peace of God, and the joy of God. And so He comes into our life, and He starts directing us. And as we obey Him, we see things happen in our life. True saving faith will lead to action and obedience. It's not just doing something. It's obeying the Spirit of God. The Spirit produces the good works in our life. And and really, this is... I don't know that I can properly convey this... This is foundational in our life. Why are you doing what you're doing? Is it out of obedience to the Spirit of God? If it's not, you better question, why am I doing what I'm doing? See, as I sit down, I I come to faith in Christ. I'll have a desire to the Word. As I sit down and read the Word, the Spirit of God who is the author of the Bible, will use the word to direct me. And an evidence that there's genuine faith in my life is that I will commit to obeying what the Spirit directs me to do. So genuine faith is in Jesus Christ alone. It is seen... In obedience, that it's manifested, that it isn't the obedience that makes the faith. The faith makes the obedience. And that's why he said in Matthew 7, Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, By their fruits you shall know them. The Spirit of God will enter a life and he'll start producing things in our life. And by the fruit you will know it. 
Genuine faith is in Jesus Christ alone. Genuine faith is seen in obedience. And genuine faith is verified by works. It isn't made complete by works. It verifies, it shows that there's genuine faith in the heart and life. The works don't make the faith. The faith makes the works. And James stresses the work of the believer in relation to faith. Paul stresses the work of Christ in relation to faith. Our faith is all of Christ, not of us. We're never going to be able to brag, Hey, you made it to heaven. Give me a high five. We made it. No, we have nothing to brag about. The grace of God. But James is saying, if you have genuine faith, it will produce certain things in your life. And if there are not works in your life, you really don't have faith. Faith is not made by works. Faith is evidenced by the works. Faith without works is dead because it involves the mind only. And so he illustrates this. He said, you believe there's one God? You're monotheistic? Good for you, he says. Even the devils believe that. We're not going to take the time, but the devils believe, they believe the orthodox truths about Jesus Christ. They don't argue that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. They don't argue that he was sinless. They don't argue that he raised the dead and healed the sick. They don't argue those truths. They don't argue that he rose again. They'll lie about it. But they don't argue it. They know that's true. But it's right here with the mind. It's not that they've placed their faith and trust. Faith without works is dead. It's in the mind only. But delivering faith involves the mind, the will, And the emotion. The mind understands the truth. I understand I am a sinner. I understand only Jesus Christ saves. And with the heart, he believes unto the truth. He desires the truth. He personalizes the truth. And with the will, he acts upon the truth. Abraham proved to the world that he had genuine faith, that he already had it. It's saving faith when he obeyed God. And God gives opportunity after opportunity to every one of us to show our faith by obeying the Spirit of God. When you obey the Spirit of God, it will produce works in our life. And the Spirit of God is desirous of working in every one of our lives 
in the most practical ways, in the most genuine ways, and he gives us opportunity to show our faith. So where is your faith showing? Let me just list five areas that I know the Spirit of God, if, if we have genuine faith, the Spirit of God will be at work in this. We'll have a new love for Scriptures. If I have a genuine faith, the Spirit of God wants to take me to the book he's written, and it's the Spirit of God that wrote this book, and, and he'll draw me to that. If there is genuine faith in here, I'll have a, a new love for Scripture. See, James did not want any of these that said they were believers to someday have a rude awakening that they were not followers of Christ and spend eternity in hell. And so he's going over all these things, test genuine faith. I mean, this is foundational. First John, it's the same thing again. These are tests. Why is he doing that? Test yourself to make sure you are in the faith. If you never have a desire for the Word of God, I would... I wouldn't. The Word of God says there is no faith there. It's a dead faith. Yeah, but I believe this. The Spirit of God, if He is in you, if you have genuine faith, will draw you to the Word of God. Secondly, there will be a new awareness of right and wrong. The Spirit of God and and we put the verses down here, Hebrews 5, 13 and 14. The Spirit of God will start pinpointing. No, you, that isn't right. This is right. They'll have a new awareness. It's like our our conscience is quickened. It's much more than that. It's the Spirit of God that, that is dealing in our lives and He's, He's quickening us and He starts instructing and He says, my job is to make you more like Christ and this won't, this isn't Christ-like, this is. So let's go this way. There'll be a new awareness of right and wrong. There'll be a new desire to be like Christ. There'll be a new love for other Christians. I want to get together with other believers. I desire to do that. There's a, why? It's the Spirit of God. He says, you, I'm, I'm drawing you to my word and now let's, let's go. These people share your word. They share the same thing. Let's get together. Let's, let's share together. Let's fellowship together. Let's, Sing together. Let's pray together. Let's bear one another's burdens. There'll be a new love for other Christians, and there will be, fifthly, there's many others, but we're just listing five. There'll be a new desire to serve. The Spirit of God, in saving us, does not say, okay, I'm content. Just sit here and wait for the Lord to come. Learn a lot of facts. Learn a lot of stories. No, the Spirit of God will prompt us to serve. And I don't mean just in the church. I mean in our neighborhood, in our community, 
in our family, there'll be a new desire to serve. So here it is. A person trusts Christ as Savior. The Spirit of God is dwelling within them, genuine faith. And they have this desire to obey the Spirit. They obey the Spirit, and it produces works, which then are evidence. Wow, there's a genuine faith here. Someone has said, you will know you give evidence of spiritual life when you can live joyfully and gracefully around spiritually weak people. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. You know you give evidence of spiritual life when you can live joyfully and gracefully around spiritually weak people. We think of good works and we think, going and painting your neighbor's fence, changing their oil, baking them a pie. We think of things like that. And and those are. But it's not limited to that. Turn to Galatians, Colossians, excuse me, Colossians chapter 3, and notice verse 12. Well, let me back up. Verse 10 says, you have put on the new man. So he's saying, you are a believer. You have put on the new man. It's not Jew or Greek or barbarian or any of these nationalities. It's Christ. So because of that, verse 12, he says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy. You should, you should be overflowing with mercy. And these are the things that you should have. Kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgive you, so also do ye. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body." And be ye thankful, and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So here he says, an evidence of spiritual life, true life, is we'll have humility, bowels of mercy, humbleness of mind. We won't view ourselves as better than others. We'll have gentleness. You don't respond harshly to others' sins or mistakes. You'll have patience. You don't expect others to be perfect. You'll have forbearance. You'll be able to deal with a difficult person without becoming angry. Woo, these get right down to where we live, don't they? We don't respond harshly to others' mistakes. 
Why'd you spill the milk? Pay attention next time. Good grief. We can't have a meal without you spilling your milk. And the spirit says, yeah, give it to him again. No, I don't think so. Where'd you put my keys? Where'd you put my, why can't you just hang them up where they belong? Where did you put the keys? Now, look at this. I'm going to be late. Blah, 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 blah. If the word of God is dwelling in us, the spirit of God, he is going to prompt us to things. We're going to have a desire to obey the spirit of God. And you may feel like saying, we can't have one stinking meal without somebody spilling something. I've been there. I've done that, okay? Some of you I know are there right now. You know what I'm saying? But the Spirit of God says, this too shall pass. This gives you an opportunity to be a... The Spirit of God says, wait a minute. Aren't you glad God doesn't respond to you with a like attitude? How are these kids going to learn about the Father if we don't reflect it? And the Spirit of God is desirous and he's, he's telling us, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. He's prompting us this. And genuine faith will have a desire to obey, and when we obey, it will produce good works. We'll have humbleness of mind. We'll have meekness and long-suffering, patience, forbearance, able to deal with a difficult person without being angry. I mean, isn't it a joy when you find someone competent that you can deal with in business or getting apart or taking something back. It's like you run into so many incompetent people anymore. But how do I respond to that? See, genuine faith, the Spirit of God will be there saying, no, put yourself, if you were in that position, how would you want someone to speak to you right now? And genuine faith then has a desire to obey. And when we obey, it produces good works. It produces responding right in the face of adversity. You know what, what we've done in, in Christianity is We've tried to bypass the Spirit of God. Um, Jason and Clayton, could I have you two guys come up here to help me a minute, okay, to try to illustrate this? I'm going to, I'm not, I'm not prototyping these guys by doing this. I haven't thought, I didn't know until just now who I was going to have up here, okay? But Jason's going to represent a true believer. Sorry, Clayton. (laughs) And I didn't pick these, okay? Clayton's going to represent one that's not a true believer. So, they both sit here and hear the same thing. 
Chasten hears that, wow, I need to obey the Spirit. And he starts thinking, what have I done to quench the Spirit? What have I done to say no to the Spirit? What does the Spirit want me to do? But on the other hand, so he is tuned in to the Word of God and the Spirit of God in obeying. Clayton says, evidence that I'm a Christian means I do good works. So he might leave here and say, ah, I got to do good works. So come with me. He, he comes out here and he says, I am going to do good works. And he means well and he wants to do well. And he goes out and he does good works and he tries to do good works. And, and the good works don't produce what he thinks it should. I've been to work, I've served that guy, I've tried to help him, and he still treats me bad. Forget him, I'm done with this. What's motivating him is maybe guilt, maybe the preacher saying, you ought to do good works, you ought to do good works. And he goes and does the good works, but it's always eventually going to end up bad because it won't produce good fruit. Whereas Chasen here, the Spirit of God prompts him in the morning. You need to spend time in the Word. So the Spirit of God prompts him to um, read the Word, and he reads the Word, and the Spirit says, the greatest among you is the servant. So he says, well, how can I be a servant? And I don't know anything about their home. I know a little bit about teenage boys. But he says, well, it might help a little bit if I put my dirty clothes in the dirty clothes spot and if I took my plate over and or whatever. But he starts. So he goes out and about the day he starts thinking of ways that he can be a servant. And maybe people notice it, and maybe they don't. But he doesn't care because he's obeying the Spirit. And when he obeys the Spirit, it's good. No matter what their response is. What I believe we've done in Christianity, come back over here, is we've said to everybody, this is what a Christian is. You do one, two, three, and four. This is what it is. Get busy doing it. And saved and unsaved, they both come and they do it. But you know what? There's no joy in it because they're not doing it because of obedience to the Spirit of God. They're doing it because of guilt. There's no liberty in Christ. There's no joy in it. And it doesn't work. And that's why we get up and we have trouble because we're not obeying the Spirit. Genuine faith is in Christ alone. Genuine faith is obedience. And when you obey, it will be verified by works. But ultimately, what I'm wanting you to do What God's wanting you to do is obey the promptings of God's Spirit. We need to get back to this. Because even as a Christian, if he says, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go obey. 
but he doesn't listen to the Spirit, he's on his own. It doesn't matter, saved or unsaved, it comes down to obedience. You know what? No matter what Clayton does without Christ, I'm not talking the Clayton real, I'm talking, what, no matter what Joe does here, he does not have genuine faith. It doesn't matter if he does all the good works in the world and is voted the citizen of the year. His faith is dead. And Chasen, his job isn't to do what others think he ought to do. His job as a true believer is given to obey the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God was given to guide us into truth. So when Chasen goes out onto the football field and, and he plays football, the Spirit of God says, knock them down as hard as you can and run and score. You say, really? Yeah, he does. It, that's exactly what it says. And whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God. Ecclesiastes says, whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. He's not calling him to go out there and panty-waste his way through the field and say, oh, sorry, did I hurt you? If God's called him to play football, then he plays football with all his heart. And God's called him to pray, he prays with all his heart. And God calls him to fast, he fasts with all his heart. Why? Because the Spirit of God. And you know what separates the difference between liberty and joy and a burden in the Christian life? Is obeying the Spirit or doing it because others think we have to. Thank you, guys. Go sit down. Appreciate it. And it's obeying the Spirit of God. So, thankfully, most of us, he's not calling to go play football today, all right? But the Spirit of... I don't know what God's calling you to do. And and I don't mean a big calling, I mean, this afternoon, the Spirit of God saying, man, look at all these people have been challenged. They need to listen to the Spirit of God. He's excited. You know what? I'm praying the Spirit of God. I'm not praying. I'm hoping the Spirit of God is leading me to take a nap this afternoon. And I'm going to do it with all my mind. But you know what? I've learned the hard way. If he doesn't allow that, that's okay. Because the Spirit of God is in control. It's not getting my agenda and getting the Spirit to fit it. It's me saying, God, you have saved my soul. You have rescued me from hell. And God, I, I just want to do your will. I can never repay you enough. God, I want to do your will. Teach me your will. And it might be you'll run into some obstinate person and you need to overcome evil with good. And the Spirit of God will prompt you. We don't have time, but you know what? We need a revival of obedience to the Spirit of God. What I said we don't have, have time to go into is, is just this, this whole aspect of what have we done to quench the Spirit and grieve the Spirit and, and, 
we need a revival of going back and saying, God, forgive me for neglecting your spirit. Heavenly Father, would you take these feeble words of mine and, Lord, would you quicken them in the hearts and minds of every one of us here today? And I pray if there is an individual here today that says, I don't know that I have genuine faith. Lord, I pray before they leave today that they would call upon you in genuine repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And, Lord, that they would know the Spirit of you convicting them and leading them. And, Lord, I pray that you'd bring a spiritual awakening among our lives, each of us right here today, that we would give our lives to live in obedience to your Spirit. Lord, it's not like we have to focus on works. We just need to focus on obeying your Spirit, and your Spirit will produce the works. So I pray that you would bring a revival of Spirit-filled living in our lives. And Lord, that genuine faith would be manifested for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed.